You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rusk Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rusk AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Hello and welcome back to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Campbell, and today's episode is part of our summer series on the podcast, which is all about giving you actionable tips and tricks to supercharge your finances for 2024. In today's episode, I'm talking to Dr. Gina Cleo, who is an expert on habits and how we make them, break them, and change them. Habits play a big role in helping us achieve our financial goals. So in this episode, we're diving into what habits are, how we form them, and some practical habit strategies that you can experiment with this year to reach your goals. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Gina, welcome onto the Australian Finance Podcast today. Thanks so much, Kate. So good to be here with you. Now, you are here for a very exciting conversation. We're talking all about habits and getting ourselves set up for success in 2024. I know a lot of people talk about habits. We talk about our bad habits, our good habits, but not many of us know how to go about uh, creating them, changing them, ditching the ones we don't like. So I'm excited to have this conversation and talk about how we can really use habits for good when it comes to setting financial goals, learning about our finances this year, even doing the things that we've been putting off for a long period of time. So (laughs) I guess to kick things off, I'm interested to know why you went down the path of specialising in research and everything to do with habits. Why did you become (laughs) a habit expert? (laughs) 
It's it's such an interesting question because I think there's only two habit researchers in Australia and, and just a handful around the world. So we are a rare breed. So it's definitely a valid question. I was a dietitian and I loved helping people and I was able to help them to achieve their goals. But I found over and over again that they would just end up exactly you know, back where they started. And mm. it was such a frustrating thing, whether it was, you know, improving a certain element of their their eating or their mindset or their movement. So I started to research this idea of sustainable change. Like how do we actually make a behavior change long-term and, and keep those outcomes long-term? And I found that I wasn't just being a terrible dietitian, that actually, you know, 90, between 92 and 95% of us, when we set a goal, we're, we're okay at starting that goal, but we don't seem to maintain that goal long term. And it's why, you know, by the end of February, most of us have forgotten our New Year's resolutions and we're sort of cycling back into these same desires over and over again. So I started doing some more reading and I found this fascinating case in neuroscience, which was all about how habits are the only proven method to long-term success. And so I did a PhD in habits just to try to understand the brain and try to help people more. And then from there, really, I started the Habit Change Institute. I've written a book on habits called The Habit Revolution. And I just train people into all things habits. And I love it. Like, you probably can already tell, I it's my favorite topic in the world, talking about habits. <laughs> well, that's good to know. That's good to know since we're talking all about habits today. And I think many people listening would be setting some form of goal this year, whether it's career or finance, and they might not be thinking about habits in relation to setting that goal. I'd be keen to know sort of like a, a 101 on what a habit is and sort of how they work. Yeah, so there's habits and behaviours and they're definitely different. So behaviours are things that we do intentionally. They're decisions that we make, they're conscious and they're deliberate. So they're things like how do I get from A to B or what should I have for dinner tonight or what investment should I do? Whereas habits are subconscious, they're mindless, they're automatic. So they're things like putting on your seatbelt when you sit in the car or brushing your teeth before you go to bed because that's just part of your routine. It could also be where you spend your money, how much you're willing to spend on certain things, um, how much money you save, like all these things that we just do automatically, subconsciously, without much thought are our habits. Another key difference between habits and behaviors is that habits are always triggered by something. So a behavior is something you can just think of and just do in the moment. You can also plan to do it in advance. Whereas habits are triggered by either an internal or external environment. So when I mentioned the example of putting your seatbelt on in the car, sitting in the car is the trigger and putting on your, your seatbelt is the habit. And so every habit that you have has got something before it, whether it's the time of day, the place that you're in, what you're feeling, what you've just done beforehand, that triggers that response or that responding habit. Hmm. And why do you think it's so important that we learn how habits work before we start trying to change our own? The only way to change something is if we can understand and diagnose and, and unpack it. Because it's really hard to just say to ourselves, 
I'm just going to stop doing that. Because if you've ever done that to yourself before, you probably know that it doesn't work. But if you say to yourself, okay, I know that when I'm in this place or when I, when it's this time of day, I tend to do this habit, then you can preempt the trigger and try to interject somehow. So um, having that understanding of what is a habit, where are my triggers, what's the pattern that I've got, it's a make it or break it when it comes to both creating new habits and breaking our unwanted habits. And something you talked about in your book, which I found really interesting, was the concept of the habit loop. And I was wondering if you could, without the visual present, uh, maybe we can yeah. put a put a picture in the show notes, but run us through how that works. Yeah. So every habit has three key ingredients and this is called the habit loop. And the first one is the trigger, which we've just spoken about. The second one is the cue. That's the habit itself. And finally, there's the reward. Every habit that we have, good or otherwise, gives us some sort of reward. So if you think, for example, that, you know, spending your savings, the one, you know, you had some savings and you wanted to put it away for a holiday and you ended up splurging on a brand new television. That is something that's going to give you a reward in the moment because you've got this like this dopamine, you've got this excitement. So even though it's not something that you wanted to do, it's going to give you some sort of reward. The reward gives us this positive feedback loop and our brain's like, whoa, that felt really good. We should definitely do that again. If you've ever like been elbow deep into say a tub of ice cream when you've had a breakup or a really bad day or something, you know that your brain's like, whoa, sugar makes me actually feel better in the moment. And so next time you're feeling lonely or sad or or you're down, your brain's like, hey, we should get some ice cream because that felt really good last time. And that's that habit loop. So it's the trigger, the routine, which is the habit itself. And then the reward that we get from doing that habit creates these cycles in our lives. So if we currently like that short-term reward of maybe spending the money or not doing the hard things when it comes to our finances, how do we start to change that? Because sometimes the the right decision is something that will be good and feel good long-term. We might not feel the benefit of, benefit of it for years to come. And so what do we do when the reward isn't instant? Oh, and it's, it's this is such a good question because most rewards are not instant. You know, when you think of even like everyday things, like if your dentist tells you to floss your teeth, you're not going to wake up the next day and have no cavities. Like you have to yeah. do it for years before you see the outcomes. It's the same. Like if you take the stairs at work, you're not just going to look down and you've dropped a kilogram. Like you need to do things consistently. And oftentimes the rewards are long-term and so mm. they're not as exciting. And so I think the way to get around that is to really focus on your values and find another reason why. I always say to focus on rituals, not rewards. Focus on the fact that doing these little things day in and day out actually helps you to have resilience and discipline and it gives you more fulfillment because ultimately you're putting money towards a greater goal, which is going to serve you in a, in a much more impactful way in your life. So I think it's really sitting with that and going, why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? And why is this more valuable to me than the quick fixes that I'm about to, you know, in, impulsively give myself right now? Yeah, it's it's interesting one because we really struggle to identify with our future self and make decisions for our future self yes. because it just seems so far away. But I guess 
changing the behaviours and thinking about what you're doing right now and then thinking about how you can change that habit loop. So maybe you don't get that instant dopamine hit of buying something Mm. new or having something arrive in the post, but you can think of it a bit more long-term and what you're going to get out of it in the future. Yeah. Exactly right. And it's got to be valuable to you. It can't be because it's what your partner wants or it's because Mm. it's the advice that you've been given. It has to be meaningful to you. For example, like let's take exercise as an example. I know that exercising helps with all, like every part of my physiology and my psyche, every part of it. I sleep better. You know, I have, I concentrate more. There's all these things. But for me, to get out of bed on a cold, wet morning, which doesn't happen all that much on the Gold Coast, but when it does, the thing that gets me out of bed is saying to myself, I'm going to have a better mental health day if I get up and train. And that is the biggest motivation for me. But if I said to myself, oh, I'm going to, I don't know, like concentrate more today, I'd be like, meh, I'll just do it tomorrow. Like that's not a big deal. But I, because I found what really I value, it's the greatest motivator. And I think that's what we need to do with every change, including our finances. Yeah. So if someone's thinking about changing their habits in 2024, they might need to do a bit of work thinking about their values and what they really want to achieve before they start changing those habits. Is that correct? Exactly. Like really center in and just like sit with those values, why they're important to you. It also has to, I know it sounds really odd, but you have to have some sort of emotional movement by it. Our brain Our habits are actually in a part of our brain that's more driven by emotions than logic. And so for us to repeat behaviors, it has to feel good. It has to feel like it's valuable. It can't just be this cognitive good idea. It has to really be like, oh, yeah, I resonate with that. Like sit with it. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, because I know a lot of people just go into the new year and say, I want to save some money this year, but they don't really sort of connect with why they want to save the money. They don't put any actions Mm. around that. And so a year can go by and you don't end up reaching that goal because it's not very clear at all, is it? Yeah, totally. And that's another one, exactly as you said, having really clear goals and objectives and strategies are all essentials for actually achieving our goals. Now that we've got the foundations laid out, I'm keen to talk about some strategies that we can try this year when it comes to changing our habits or building some habits that weren't there before, or maybe mm. getting rid of some some bad ones when it comes to the way we're managing money, we're saving, we're investing, we're learning, maybe we're getting started for the very first time. And so mm. if we are setting New Year's resolutions or goals where can we start and what are some strategies we can try to sort of take something big like I want to learn about my finances this year or I want to start saving this year for a house deposit? How can we use habits Mm. to actually start achieving them? Yeah, I mean the very first thing to changing a behaviour, whether it's creating a new one or breaking an old one, is awareness. Let's take saving, for example. I think sometimes our spending habits get in the way of our very well-intentioned financial goals, and we're not always aware of where our money's going. And so I think the very first step is start by looking at your bank statement for, say, the last month or the last 30 days and highlight all your non-essential spendings, you know, the things like the barista-made coffee or the new outfit or that sneaky weekend away, you know, anything that you don't absolutely need. And I think having an idea of that 
it just shows you how much money you're putting towards these non-essentials. And you might decide to keep most of them and that's perfectly fine, but at least you've got a sense of awareness. And then you'll and then you'll be able to identify patterns. So say, for example, every single morning you grab a barista made coffee and it's costing you, say, five dollars. So that's going to be money across the week that you could be saving. And so what you need to do is go, okay, so for me to not buy a coffee out, I need to make a coffee at home. Do I have the resources at home to be able to do that? Make sure that you're equipped with those things. You know, have your keep cup, have great coffee at home, like all those things, so that you can actually mitigate that behavior of buying a coffee out. So awareness is really important. And then it's all about consistency. I always say that consistency is a secret source to changing our habits. It's not about intensity. You don't have to cut out all your pleasures. I would actually advise against that. Just start really, really small. It could be one less coffee a week. It could be one less movie. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just taking those steps and then putting those finances that you're saving into a different account so that you can see the money growing can be a really great motivator. Do you recommend instead of just in your example with, with the coffee, I know coffee gets demonized a bit in the world of personal finance, <laughs> but it's it's good for the, the case study here of something that we have a routine with. Instead of just eliminating it full stop, is it better that we replace it with something like making coffee at home or going into the office and making a cup of tea in the office than just sort of going cold turkey? Absolutely. So when we go back to the habit loop, we've got the reward at the end. So the reason that we're still buying a coffee every day is because it gives us some sort of reward. It could just be the caffeine and the dopamine hit that we get from the caffeine, right? If we don't give ourselves that reward, there's going to be something missing. Our brain's going to be like, yo, I am missing my dopamine hit right now. I need some caffeine to stay awake. And it's going to make it much harder for you to just avoid coffee altogether. So that's why with most habits that we want to break, we always want to replace them unless you can avoid the trigger altogether. So, you know, a trigger might be, say, every time you walk into a, like one of those shops where you can buy electrical equipment, you end up buying a new fancy, I don't know, vacuum cleaner. Let's just say every time you do that, you buy something big. You can easily just not go into those places. So that's avoiding the trigger altogether, but you can't avoid the trigger of, you know, waking up, going to work and, you know, having, for example, like walking past a coffee shop that's going to happen for for most of us quite a few mornings a week. And so that's when we want to replace it with, replace the old habit with something else instead. Okay. So I'm thinking practically with this first strategy, if we are wanting to reduce our spending so we can save more, so we can manage the cost of living at the moment, going through understanding where we've spent money on a regular basis, and then trying to understand once we have that awareness, trying to understand the habits, whether it's you buy this when you're bored or you buy this when you go to this place and then figuring out, well, starting with just one of those actions that happen on a regular basis and thinking, well, how can I change that habit loop? So I either avoid the trigger of going to that place. And if I can't avoid that place or that feeling or that whatever brings it up, how can I change mm. the, the the action I take then? And so that could be yeah. a strategy we can use if we want to spend a bit less this year. Spot on. That's exactly right. Love it. Such a good summary. <laughs> All right. What about the next strategy? What have you got for us? So I would say don't depend on your willpower. 
we need to do things like we need to set up systems to help us out. So for example, set up an automatic transfer that scoops money into a savings account every time you get paid. And the trick is here is also how you frame the choice. Instead of focusing on what you're giving up, you want to look at what you've got to gain. So instead, you know, a coffee costs you $5 and you sacrifice that for a year, you know, you might have enough money to fly to Europe. Or if that's too much of a commitment, make it that you only buy it on Mondays and Fridays and whatever it might be, but you get the picture. It just has to be uh, a reframe. It has to be a positive outlook, but do not depend on your willpower. Don't say, oh, I'll have all this money in my account, but I'm not going to spend it because it doesn't work like that. Willpower is a fleeting resource. It comes and goes. It's like a wave. I, I say it sometimes. It's kind of like that friend who sometimes ghosts you and sometimes shows up and you don't really know what's going to happen on the morning. <laughs> so that's willpower. Our willpower is also depleted when we're stressed, when we're tired, when we're hungry, uh, when we've made lots and lots of decisions or we've taken initiative. So our day-to-day -day lives will naturally deplete our willpower and our self-control. So set up systems to help you to achieve your goals without you having to intervene as much as possible. That would be my mm. second tip. Because we make a lot of decisions every day, don't we? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's quite exhausting. So I think that's a really important one. Like we talk about automating finances as much as possible, but whether it's mm. setting up automatic transfers, when you get paid, that money that you've already decided is going into your savings account for this goal to travel to Europe or this house yep. deposit goal, that automatically moves. So you don't have to manually make that decision every month yeah. because that's just extra added to your plate. You can automate things like your investments, your contributions to super. Something I like to mm -hmm. do is putting a weekly and a monthly sort of recurring calendar invite to myself to just sort of check in with my goals, check in with my spending. And that it doesn't necessarily happen at 7am on Sunday when it's in my calendar, but it's just <laughs> that reminder and awareness yeah. as well. I love that. And it keeps it front of mind. Otherwise, you're likely to forget it or to not do it as often as you'd like to. Why do you think that we mistakenly believe that we have a lot more willpower than we do <laughs> and we should just be able to just do all the things without thinking? I know. Oh, it's actually called the willpower paradox. I think we also, I, I think our society gears us up in a way that expects us to do things out of willpower. I think there's a lot of misconception around, you know, where there's no will, there's no way and go hard or go home. And there's this, all these messages that put all the onus on us when our brain does not work like that. Our brain doesn't like too much pressure and we, we have ex we're limited in our resources when it comes to our brain. And, you know, I actually think having an understanding of that has been one of the things that's changed my life in the most dramatic way, because I was able to have so much self-compassion to go, okay, the reason I made those decisions that my future self is not going to love <laughs> is because I was so depleted and I was like really stressed out or really whatever it might be. And I've gone, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I was trying to use my brain in a way that it it actually doesn't work. So I, I think it's societal pressure. I think it's personal expectation, probably also because motivation's up and down or willpower's up and down. So when it's up, we're like, oh, I must be able to do this all the time when it doesn't actually work like that. 
Do you think that's one of the reasons that we're so bad at keeping our New Year's resolutions? Because on New Year's Day or like the 2nd or 3rd of January, everyone's off work. We're super chill and relaxed and we think we're completely invincible and we'll be in this mindset for the rest of the year. But then life gets busy, work, study, kids, everything happens during the year and suddenly the goal you set in January with your finances suddenly doesn't (laughs) seem so achievable. Totally. I actually write about this in my book where I say it's understandable that the new year is, you know, it's a great time to reflect on the year before and set some intentions for the year ahead. But the 1st of January doesn't come with this motivation fairy that's going to slap you across the face and make you feel like you're invincible. Actually, you you may be hungover, let's hope not, but you may be. You also are not going to be any less tired than you are in this present moment. You're not going to be any more motivated and not going to be any less busy. And so I think it's it's, yeah, I, I think the turn of the new year, I also see it on Mondays, like I'll start on Monday or I'll start on my birthday or when I get home from holiday, it, those time frames don't often work. You just have to work with your resources right now as you have them in the present moment. I like that because I think a lot of us do put off starting a new project, whether that's a, a fitness project, a financial project, until a certain milestone date and then yeah. we're just sort of missing all this opportunity in between. Yeah, I think it's a great procrastination strategy. <laughs> just just naming it for what it is here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> all right, so second strategy is not relying on our willpower. It is a limited mm. resource. We're going to have a lot less in July than we do right now in January and automate as much as possible. And we do have a free course on automating your finances on Rask Education for anyone listening if they want to check that out. What is the third habit strategy we could try this month? I'm going to say do what you can as often as you can. So if, for example, you want to save and you don't have a lot of money to save on this particular week because of the circumstances, I would Mm. still create the habit of even putting away $1 so that you're still in the habit of putting things away. Or if you want to learn more, if learning is one of your goals, it can be really daunting at the start. And I would just start by having conversations with your partner and then with your friends or you know, commit to listening to one podcast once a week or once a month. So just do what you can when you can, rather than trying this idea of overhauling your life, overhauling your finances, like wanting to just, you know, the turn of the new year and now you're this completely different person. Don't do it like that. You know, it comes back to that willpower when it's low or when you don't have the resources or the time, just do the smallest amount possible. Because what that does in our brain is it still strengthens the neural pathway of that habit. So our habits, we just need to start them for the neural pathways in our brain to strengthen. We don't have to do the whole thing. So if your goal is to save $100 a week and you can't do that, saving a dollar a week still strengthens that habit in our brain. And so it's important to just, just start. I always say just show up. I love that. How long does it take to form the habit? So if we're if we're saving a dollar or a hundred dollars a week, how long would mm. it take for that to just become something we do and don't have to think about too much? Oh, I wish there was a number I could give you, Kate, but there's a range. It's anywhere between sort of three weeks to up to a year to create a new habit. 
on average, um, from some of the research, it's about 10 weeks or 66 days it takes to create a new habit. Having said that, you can create a habit quicker if you've got really strong intentions, if you perceive the value of the habit is really strong and really high. So if you really value what you're doing, your brain's going to create those neural connections quicker. And also how habitual you are as a person. And then finally, the consistency. The more you do it, the more habitual it'll get. So if you only do it every now and then, and then you forget sometimes, or, you know, you've just sort of lapse altogether, it's going to take longer for that behavior to become habitual than if you did it consistently. Mm, I really like this one because a lot of us, when we're getting started on our personal finance and investing journey, it seems really overwhelming. And it seems like we need to figure out everything overnight, Mm. but it doesn't happen like that. And you can just start small. You start with saving a dollar, using a micro investing app to invest a dollar, using just putting one minute aside, then it builds to five minutes, then 30 minutes a week to work on your finances. And um, my co-host Owen likes to put it, you're your personal finance and investing apprenticeship, that it's a couple of years. It's not something that you can just figure out in January and February 2024. So I think that's a good reminder for people that that. you're still building that habit, whether it's learning Mm. or saving or investing or sorting out your your finances by by starting small. You can start with one of something and build up from there. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Exactly right. And it makes it makes it achievable. It makes it doable. It makes it something that you know you can commit to. And I think that does also wonders for our sense of self-efficacy or our self-belief, which is the number one predictor of success, our self-belief. Well, there you go. That's a good message for people to take into 2024 <laughs> that they can do it. And I think that's important, Gina, because a lot of people come to money. They've never had these conversations before and they might not think mm. they're someone that can manage their money. They might have been told in the past they're bad with money. And so yeah, using habits like this, you can start to reframe how you see yourself. Absolutely. I mean, take grasp of your own narrative for sure. And, and, and everybody has the capacity to be able to manage their own money, you know, no matter how much you're earning or spending, you absolutely can within your means by doing things consistently that are going to benefit your future self. (laughs) Now, before we finish up, I just kind of keen on like the bad habit side of things. So if we've got a bad habit that we don't like that we want to break, do you have any strategies for us there? I think it's about reverse engineering, you know, the tips that, we, that we've that we just given. It's about understanding when and where that bad habit tends to happen and then preempting it and putting something else in place or trying to figure out what is the reward that I get from doing this? You know, what's the reward of my impulsive spending? And you might actually find, well, I actually just felt really lonely or I felt really sad or I felt, you know, whatever, I just wanted some excitement in my life. And then you can go out and find that in other ways. So you can connect with people or, I don't know, go skydiving or something, (laughs) you know, whatever it might be. And really understanding your habits, I think it's the number one strategy really to breaking them. And the other one is to create barriers. Create barriers for the things that you're doing impulsively. You know, if if you're checking your phone too much, don't have your phone around you as much. Or if you're going on online shopping, you know, too much, then delete those apps if you have to, or put limits around how much you're going to do this. You know, unlink your PayPal account so that you have to log into it every time. You know, those little barriers make such a big difference because we love the path of least resistance. 
Yeah, and you can actually go into your card in most providers now and block it from on making online purchases in Australia oh. and internationally. So that's something that people it. could consider if they just want to slow down on that online purchasing or put a barrier that just sort of breaks that automated see this, buy this. Yeah, great idea. Exactly. And that again comes back to that automation, right, where you're not depending on your willpower. You've got actually something that's going to help to automate your goal. <laughs> I love it. So we've got three super actionable strategies for listeners to try. Firstly, being aware of our habits and then understanding them, then we can change them from there. And then whatever we bring in, adding consistency, focusing on automation and not willpower this year. And the third one is start small, but start often and start building those habits with the smallest possible step you can and not trying to just do a whole complete financial makeover overnight. Oh, good memory. Gosh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me to reiterate those. I would have forgotten. So <laughs> thanks oh. for Kate. <laughs> got to gotta try it, being good at something, I guess. <laughs> um, well, Gina, before we finish this conversation, if you want people to go away from this into the rest of the year with one thing in mind, if people only take one thing from this conversation, what would you want to leave them with? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I would want to leave them with the idea that starting small sounds easier than it is because we want to achieve our goals yesterday and that's totally understandable. But just think to yourself, doing things the way that I have been doing hasn't worked. You know, trying for the big goals, the big wins, we tend to fall back into, you know, where we started or sometimes even worse. So the one strategy is just try it. Just trust the process of starting small. I know it sometimes it feels so trivial and like it's almost done in vain, but it's not. It's actually creating things in the background in your brain and your neural pathways and your habit routine stamping in your mind that are actually really powerful. So I think that would be my one thing, like truly commit to starting small. If someone wants to learn more about their habits and the way they interact with the world and their behaviours and really make some changes this year, you have a fantastic book available, The Habit yes. Revolution. So I'll have that linked in the show notes. But are there any other places you'd love for people to find you? Yeah, you can find me on my Instagram or I'm on Facebook or my website, which is drginacleo.com. I've also got a free five-day habit course. So you can jump on my website and the course is on there. Now, this is not one of those things where I'm going to spam you with emails. I'm terrible at writing newsletters. You might hear from me like twice a year. So jump on there and you can get this a five-day course. It's really good. It goes through how to create new habits, how to break old habits, why our willpower doesn't work and what to do instead. Well, I think that's a fantastic resource there for any listener that wants to sort of take that next step into really understanding habits and the way they make decisions and make sure they achieve their financial goals this year. So thank you so much, Gina, for coming on the show today. Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Kate. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. 
Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.